Hello, it's Alex here. And Kiki. On this episode, we're kicking back and relaxing into a musical adaptation of a novel by one of literature's great authors. Writer Kath Haling and director Catherine Farmer have leafed through Jane Austen's Emma and given it a singer-songwriter makeover. They give us an insight into staying true to the original book while bringing out the themes that speak to audiences today. How their collaboration as writer and dramaturg brings them joy. And the origin story of their partnership, now working on their fourth show together. Welcome to Making Making a Musical, Musical, the future of British British Musical musical Theatre. So I am really excited to talk about this show. This is a proper earworm and I've been humming it around the house. And let me tell you, my housemates are so angry about it because I've learned this one phrase and it's really in my head. And when you hear the song, you will know the bit I mean. It's going to be a really cool show to talk about. We actually go way back with the team here today. Um, I met Kath and Catherine Back in 2018, isn't it? Um, when Kath submitted a musical called Sunshine to the other palace and uh, asked for support in finding a director. And Kath had been at the other palace probably only a few months before with another project. I just thought, oh, this could be a really interesting um relationship who knew it was actually going to work out with my little stroke of matchmaking genius and how was it from your end because you're now four plus shows in since then yeah I think you absolutely can take the credit for us meeting and what was so um amazing about um your email that came through was you shared the, the music file with me and I was in an uber going somewhere and it was half an hour and it took me from A to B and um, I was really absorbed by what Kath had done and it was just Kath singing on the demo and felt so connected to the story and kind of awkwardly got out of the Uber crying at the end being like, thank you so much. Um, uh, because was, of the show, not the Uber Because drive. of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew there was something really special in the story and I think when you suggested that we got a coffee, Kath and I were just talking about what Kath wanted to achieve with Sunshine, which was a musical monologue that was inspired by Simon Stevens's Seawall. Mm. And I think as someone who had been fairly new to the world of directing musicals, I come more from a background of directing straight plays. It was really, um, it really felt like we aligned in terms of how we tell stories and how we want to tell stories. And I didn't feel so alienated from the fact it was a musical because it was a character led journey. And so, yeah, that was a, Thanks to you, Kiki, that we mm. we've now yeah we're several years in and we've got a few shows um, together. So yeah, thank you. It's absolutely one of those things that you never know if a team will actually gel, and it really just comes down to personality. Do you like that person? Do they speak the same language? So it's a little bit of a crapshoot, to be honest. And it, it just I'm so pleased that it worked out and that. This collaboration is continuing however many years later on, you know, the however manyth show that you're on, (laughs) um, including Woodhouse, which is in development as we speak. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit more about um, this project? What kind of attracted you to it? Because it's it's an adaptation. um, And I think what's really interesting with Catherine being a director and being a part of the writing process, I think that's going to be something really unique to to the way that you two work. Yeah. Yeah. I think I found... um, 
and we pretty much said this is an ultimate collaboration, I think. And I, I've worked with other people in the past creating shows. I've worked as a composer with book writers and things like that. But I found personally, well, it's, it's rather than um, a writer working with a director, I feel Catherine's skills um, of dramaturgy are incredible. So I feel like when we're creating the whole story arc and the character development, um, we're very much equal collaborators on that. And that's the total sweet spot, I think, when um, putting a show like this together. We wanted to do an adaptation. Um, and with that came, we've got a few, we had a few ideas, but we went for something in public domain, something that we already loved. Um, and yeah, so basically it's, yeah, I, I find working with a director slash dramaturg is, is the greatest collaboration for me. And we create the whole piece and the whole body and then I go in and just add the I think we were saying the other day it's kind of like a tree and like we create the trunk and then the words and the music and the lyrics I just go and put the leaves on and that sort of stuff but together um, we've both very firmly created that body of the tree and I think that's what works really well for us. And how does that dramaturgy work on a kind of like really nitty-gritty practical basis so um, you, you said you've kind of got that that rough outline in the case of an adaptation which which this is um how does that work from that inception of an idea so we had just come off the back of a project that had gone through a lot of rewrites and one of the things we had discovered during that process was that we had to go back to what our initial idea was and what we actually wanted to say from the beginning and I think that was a really helpful thing for us both to just remember what it is to get lost in storytelling like in a story and then have to say oh no okay this is our goal this is what we're trying to say let's go back to back to basics back to the beginning so we did come with that knowledge into um the adaptation of Woodhouse and we had met for a, a day together having both read the book revisited the films we should say I don't know if we've actually mentioned what the adaptation is oh. yet Oh, yeah, because it's not in potentially inherently clear no. from the title of the musical. So it's actually an adaptation of Emma written by Jane Austen. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really we have an amazing photo of us both at Foyle's bookshop having gone and bought matching books that we then <laughs> took away with us. Um, and I've obviously scribbled in and, and carry with us all the time. And I think there's something again about just cementing in the idea that we're here to tell a story of, to tell Jane Austen's story, but to make it a contemporary um, adaptation, which will be firmly grounded in Jane Austen's world, but with characters that we recognize today. Um, so I, you can talk a little bit more about this, Kath, but we started with just um, creating a beat sheet of all of the mm. key moments in the book that we wanted to portray in our musical and specifically what scenes we felt could be a song um, and maybe what we would like to add or change. Um, and that was really how we approached this project at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and uh, yeah, I think it is from our few years of working together on different projects, that, like you say, we've really, un we understood how to start because I think when we talk about the previous project that had a lot of rewrites, I was learning as I went on, that was uh, a play um, and how to create that and you helped me along the way very much with that. But 
what we learned after two years of rewrites is what we took <laughs> from day one into Woodhouse and it felt super sweet to be like, okay, we know how to start beat sheets. We know how to like start with making sure we understand what our character is. Um, we, we talked about treating it like a coming of age story because I was looking for a coming of age um, show to adapt and I love coming of age films. I mean, who doesn't? Um, and we realised that Emma Woodhouse, her story is a coming of age. It's, it's her discovering herself and discovering her place and her truth. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we hit the ground running with this one and it feels really nice. <laughs> I think that's brilliant that we can talk about how, you know, past projects inform future projects mm. and, and the, the idea that your process now is you have source material and then you can block out what you want to achieve scene by scene, moment by moment, and then, you know, write the songs to accompany it and then and connect the dots that way. I think that's that's really interesting. And um, for those that may not necessarily be familiar with the term dramaturgy, it would be really interesting to kind of unpick that a little bit more because, again, I think it's such a unique relationship. To you, and it's more and more happening with, with shows, particularly those that have source material, to have a dramaturg to come on and help mm. potentially guide, for lack of a better word. It would be interesting to kind of hear you know, more in depth about what that process is. Like, how do you, as a writer, kind of communicate with a dramaturg? How does a dramaturg communicate with a writer? Again, it will be very unique for your collaboration. I think I certainly have been very influenced by the directors who I've assisted and shadowed in the past. And I think director-dramaturg role is a really interesting one. And I think the word dramaturg is becoming more and more common at the moment. I think it's actually um, becoming a role that is signposted as separate to a director, which is having an overview of the structural analysis of the character arcs of characters, intentions and objectives, but also even going in to a script in terms of the detail of like, what do unique references mean? What, what um, are the specific kind of historical, cultural references and contacts that we need to be bringing into the story as well. So I think I don't, personally approach it as an academic um but I do approach it as a director and I think whenever I give notes to Kath or to anyone else I always say that this is from the director's perspective and if you were to talk to a dramaturg who perhaps um has a more literary like literary background they might give very different notes but mine are always about character and intention mm -hmm. and objective and I think that's something that um, I never really considered myself a dramaturg until probably working with Kath. And I realized actually it's something that I'm trying to continue to bring into our practice and our craft as, um, and our collaboration as a, as a writer and a director is being able to bring that kind of overarching view of the whole piece into the beginning of structuring a story. It's sort of slightly, um, it's almost backwards engineering in a way because dramaturgy, all of those skills, like as a director, I can see all of those skills kind of at use in the rehearsal room anyway, right? And mm. in my own prep and in uh, even in, in actors prep as well. So I suppose mm. it's sort of a job that everybody's kind of doing, mm. but it's happening maybe a little bit earlier on in the writing process, which can only be a good thing, I guess. Absolutely. And I think... I'm really spoiled because I once I spent six months working at a theatre that had a dramaturg on their payroll. 
And I think it was an amazing thing to witness how someone who that's their soul craft approaches um, a whole season of work also um, thinks about what plays mean through production through audience they often wrote the production note or like the 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 equivalent director's note at the beginning of the um of the program rather than the artistic director or the director which I also thought was a really interesting um thing and I really learned from him there was one tiny note he gave a director which was there was a place set in the 1940s that if you lost a child during the war in America you hung a flag in your window and the set was a house with a window and in the play they lost a son and so halfway through previews they decided to put the flag up because Mm. it was in these um, dramaturgical notes and so many people who had lived through the war commented on the fact that the historical accuracy of that one flag really meant something and I know that's a really odd example but I think actually a dramaturg's role can be as small as that it can be and that can actually have just as much emotional impact as like here are some broad brushstroke structural comments um it can be it can also just boil down to those tiny moments as well and I think that's something that is so easy to get lost when you're either directing or writing is just to have someone who can say this here's what here's one little nugget that you might that you might really value it might have a big impact on the story no, I think you're so right. They, those those little details. It's almost like it's like any any craft. Actually, people that are really good at those things, you don't necessarily clock them or notice right. them as an obvious thing. But all of the detail is there, and it contributes to the richness of the overall picture. Um, and and in creating that world for for this story in particular, like you say, you're you're taking that classical story, but actually bringing it bang up to date. And in terms of getting into the world of the show, what better way to be immersed in that than to hear the opening number, which is Any Wonder. Right, two more crates of wine and a box of whiskey. I think that's it. Oh, please don't even say that word. What, whiskey? I'm not joking, Emma. <laughs> is someone feeling a little delicate this afternoon? <sighs> Just because you indulged in maybe one too many whiskeys last night doesn't mean you can render yourself free of the task of helping me set up the recovery party. Uh, sorry, one too many whiskeys. I don't enjoy the judgment in your voice, my dear friend, especially when I vaguely recall. And yes, actually, as I now reflect, the scene is hazy. A whiskey haze. I maybe? do recall... You hovering over the punch bowl yourself most of the evening. Firstly, I do not hover. Secondly, the punch was absolutely exquisite. Of course, I made it. You do look a bit like you've been dragged through a cow paddock behind a cart. Nice. Well, to be completely honest, you don't seem to be bursting with your usual radiance either. Oh, really? Yeah, really. I think I look quite fabulous. Oh, yeah, of course, and to the regular punter you do. But I see you, Emma. I see behind it all. Oh, are you being quite serious? Just a minute. Never! Just a minute! It's just me. Seriously, I feel you must admit to being a little dusty today Fine, I must confide I can no, no longer hide I feel the very same way The punch still swelling through my head So wonderful and charming I fail to recall Though I don't remember much at all Any wonder I've got this pain in my head 
Any wonder I just need to go back to bed Any wonder The sun beating through the windows Got me slowing down Any wonder Everyone's treading light But how it was worth The joy that was last night Any wonder We must push on through the recovery God, why on earth Must we push on through the recovery you know, it's a Woodhouse tradition to have a recovery after a wedding. But it wasn't even a Woodhouse wedding. Now you're just being rude. Miss Taylor is as much a part of this family as my darling sister. <sighs> you're right, sorry, that was rude. I just can't recall feeling this hungover in ages. Oh, one of Papa's Bloody Marys will sort you out. You know, Woodhouse recoveries are the best part of the whole wedding weekend. Everyone a little rough from the night before, everyone a little embarrassed of their actions, especially if one was seen to be flirting rather outrageously with the ladies uh, from the bakery. No, I was absolutely not. Um, you were. That was merely where the whiskey station resided, and they... they oh, I'm there. aware they knew exactly where to place themselves to ensure your company. Well, well they, they were lovely women. Yes, they were lovely women, with very lovely eyes, and one in particular had her very lovely personalities very much on display. I must confess, I was merely doing as I thought best. Sure, your sense of duty putting on a brave face. Even in any case, it was all so glorious. And the oh, Skin a wedding to remember A night so beyond any other night I've ever known Though I don't remember walking home Any wonder I've got this pain in my head Any wonder I just need to go back to bed Any wonder The sun beating through the windows Got me slowing down any wonder everyone's treading light But how it was worth the joy that was last night Any wonder Strength to carry on will be fine Let's just take this one step at a time Any wonder I know I can make it through Any wonder Pushing on through this with you Any wonder The sun beating through the windows Got me slowing down Ah, oh, it's so lovely to hear that hook again and that harmony on that up note oh we were well listening to it then we were all um yeah it's, it's a real send shivers moment and i think it's a lovely contemporary way into the story yeah well that's um the beautiful vocals of ollie higginson and rashani abbey uh, we recorded that demo uh, with sam featherstone at the end of last year and uh, it was an absolute absolute joy and uh, so that's the opening of the entire show. And I think kind of the thought process behind that was rather than open with a big uh, big number, 
we thought it's going to be a story about Emma and Knightley really because it is their love story at the end of the day and we just wanted the two of them, the audience to be there, the two of them just come on stage, they're hungover like regular humans. We can all relate. You know, there's been a massive wedding the night before which is a big part of the story Um, but they're both just hungover and we just see their friendship and we see their closeness and the show will end, we'll bookend it with a similar scene obviously their journey and they'll have a different relationship by then, spoiler alert. But um, (laughs) (laughs) we just, we wanted that to feel like, you know, a Sunday hungover song. And um, I think those guys really brought it home for us. You guys are in a really interesting place in your, in your writing. So to my understanding, as we mentioned, you've got the whole thing blocked out mentally, written it down um, and you've got act one completed. It, oh, Ish. you Ish. have a draft. Yeah. yeah, we have a draft. We do have a draft. And so you're working on Act Two as we speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nervously, yes. Nervous <laughs> answer, yes. <laughs> it's a beast of a show, but yes. Completed Cass- is such a strong word. <laughs> sure. A draft. But a draft. A draft. Definitely. Yeah. So we're still, it's early days. Um, even though we've, yeah, like you say, we've got the whole thing mapped out thanks to A. Jane Austen. Um, that was, it was really nice having a basic story arc mapped out already by her. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, thanks, Jane. <laughs> Cheers. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, we've, we're looking at moving into Act 2 now. Um, it's a really exciting place to be, actually. Yeah, and I think, actually, what's been really vital to the project's development was having time in the studio um, with Roshani and Ollie because actually getting into the the sound of the show understanding what that is has saved us a lot of time in terms of writing and having to go back and make changes so I think actually we wouldn't change the process of recording two songs and having a bit of R&D time so early on in the development um, mm. just because we know we, we've been down this road before and we both find it a very useful process. It just helps us kind of key into the characters, put a sound to it and know where we are. However much, whenever I have to stand in for Kath and read <laughs> or whatever, it's always a disaster. So having um, consummate professionals do it here, sound amazing, really help us just connect with the piece and um, help us move forward with it as well. And how did you come to that kind of sound world for the show? Because I think it's so unique and contemporary and you sort of go, oh, is it like a bit of Fleetwood Mac? Or, you know, mm. there's all of these influences. What, what were they for you? I think basically my natural go-to style is that kind of style too. I was worked with sort of the pop side of things and was a singer-songwriter um, chasing down that for many years. And I, I think... Again, part of why we're doing this adaptation is to really humanise this story. And we just wanted them just to sound like us, just to sound like, even though we've still set it in the 1800s and we've set it in their world. um, Like I said for the opening number, I just wanted them to feel like two best mates who were hung over the next day yet to discover they're completely in love with each other. Um, and I just think that style of music that really lends itself to being relatable, I think. It just had to feel real. And if yeah. you unpicked your actual writing process, mm-hmm. how do you write music? Uh, that one, that one, I just sort of, I sat down with my guitar and I just, I had in my head, I wanted to write like a lazy Sunday playlist kind of song um and for some that hook was the first thing that came and I didn't know what it's funny that you say that's the word that sticks but any wonder 
was the first thing that came and the hook. And I didn't, it was, you know, anyone to do, 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 you know, in my oh, head, yeah. I was like, oh, and it sounds like they're sort of sarcastically or just sort of rolling their eyes thinking, oh my gosh, any wonder we feel terrible. Um, and the whole song came around that. And it sort of just, yeah, I sort of just tried to s- sit in their space. I pictured them outside their giant estate house or whatever, stately home, but also just like, oh, my head. And I just thought, oh, this is, yeah, I sort of just sat with the characters. And practically, like genuinely, when you're writing music, does the music come first? Do the lyrics come first? Do you write in sheet music? It's always just interesting to hear how Mm. each writer kind of uh, creates and then communicates. Yeah. For me, for me, I, it's both the same time. Usually it'll get to a point in the process where there's definitely lyrics that I'm trying to make fit to a melody because we're rewriting. Um, but that is definitely for me, my laptop, um, a word document, <laughs> and it's just a lyric sheet and I'll play the chords and that's how I sit and write. Um, I'm not savvy enough on notation software to sort of just notate as I go on Sibelius or something like that. So it's (laughs) it's always always just lyric sheet for me and I'll remember. I'll also um, voice memo things as I go because it's surprising how much you don't remember with the brand, even though you think it's a hook. An hour later after you've talked to a friend or something, you're like, oh, that song's gone. So I just sit there with my uh, phone and record it as I go and hope it sticks. Yeah, Yeah, brilliant. Easy to send to collaborators as well, isn't it? It is, and they usually get a copy long before I've gotten to the second verse. (laughs) Like I I was so excited writing those these two songs, but any wonder I just thought felt so good. And I was like, Lisa, this is yay. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> do you do you have like a schedule that keeps you on track with writing because I think sometimes you can really be in the moment can't you and sometimes yeah. it, it can be a harder day to to kind of get stuff yeah. out yeah and, and yeah definitely I definitely have to map out my time um, especially an adaptation like this because it's a beast you know it's um, there's there's a lot more pages currently in act one than <laughs> will be in act one you know and I've had to map that out though to especially trying to be true Uh, to Jane Austen and I think I feel I think we feel the pressure because there are fans obviously (laughs) in case you don't know there's a lot of Jane Austen fans she's pretty famous Um, but like we there are people that we don't want to let down the people who love her work and we want to do that justice too whilst also putting our own voice behind it so um, yeah it's a big it's a big process. So we've heard the very first song in the show and now we're going to fast forward yep. uh, to a little bit later on. So this song uh, we're going to play now is Say It Again. Yep. And can you give us a little bit of context around how we arrive at that point? Yeah, so basically this is the penultimate song in the whole show. Um, we've been through this whole journey um, of with Emma and Knightley and he has already openly said, I love you, but she shuts him down. And for other reasons, she's protecting someone. Um, And so we're we're so close, but we're not there. And then all of a sudden she realises she doesn't need to protect this other person. And she's like, oh, I need him (laughs) to repeat that because I'm ready to say it back. Typical Jane Austen, am I right? Classic Jane. Oh, Janey. So Jane. Let's have a listen. There is not one moment, not one tiny single moment I can bring myself anymore, anymore to lose. 
one reason, not one single stupid reason I can bring myself anymore, anymore to refuse It seems I got it all wrong There was no doubt, no uncertainty, no second guessing That very moment I realized that I knew not one person, not one singular other person in this whole world. I see myself within you. You see, I got it all wrong. So say it again. Say it louder than before. Let it burn bright like a fire. Say it bigger and higher. Just say it again. Let every word take flight a hundred more times and then. Say it again. I now see, I realize that when you are near me, my skin starts longing to touch your skin quite desperately. And when I close my eyes to try and calm the longing, my mind imagines you doing things to me quite passionately. Yeah, we are getting it on. I know this sounds totally not like anything you are used to me saying, but I can't keep it in. Every inch of my body wants you and for you still to want me to and for our life together to begin. You see, I got it all wrong.
what I found so beautiful about these demos is the orchestrations. Um, and as you were mentioning about your writing process, you write on guitar, but we heard some other beautiful instruments there. It would be really good to hear about how you kind of um, created that sound world, especially when it came to recording the demos. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very lucky. So I, I wrote it on guitar, um, well, both of those songs. Um, but I'm fortunate enough to have some amazing friends, obviously, in the industry. So I sent my guitar demo off to my gorgeous friend, Greg, and he made it sound like a professional guitarist. And he just sent it back. So he recorded it professionally, sent that back to me. And then another good friend of mine, Helena, who is an insane violinist, I gave that song with my vocals at the time to her. And she, she was off on tour somewhere in Europe and and she also had a recording stuff with her and just and she wrote she scored that herself and because we wanted to create a, again a soundscape that felt contemporary like singer songwritery so hence the guitar but with that beautiful violin coming in over the top gives it that sort of more of a period sort of sense um and yeah so those two were recorded separately and then we went into the studio with Roshani and Ollie we went in with Sam Featherstone who is an incredible producer um and we ended just for one day and he mixed it all together and recorded the vocals and um, we're so proud of it because we've got such incredible creatives involved and it's a it's a really great product we came out with a really great demo and it's going to serve us really well doing it at that early stage for people who who don't know what is the role of a producer in studio and creating the demos? Like, what do they practically do? I mean, in <laughs> music producers are probably going to want to throw things at me for saying it, but in, <laughs> in my understanding, it's the sound engineering, really. Um, he and he also. In, in the way that like a, a stage director, I guess, would do. He guided them. He got the best performance out of them. He made them feel comfortable so that they sound – they're great actors too. Mm. But he also helps them get there. Um, and then, yeah, he just fine-tunes the audio and plays with all the gadgets and gadgets on his computer and board, which is all different language to me. Um, yeah, and create something to – it sounds – it just sounds perfect. It also sounds it. so live, mm. which sometimes isn't the case on a, on a cast recording, but, but mm. actually is so helpful in terms of a demo of getting that kind of theatricality that you have mm -hmm. in the space. Mm -hmm. And I, you just know what kind of audio experience you're going to have from the show mm -hmm. just from those demos, which is so helpful as an audience yeah. member and as a producer, I think. Yeah, I agree. So what does the future hold mm. what's next for this piece or oh, including dreams and aspirations because again we know mm. where you are in the, in the writing process i think firstly finishing act two will be a big mm -hmm. um bucket list tick off checklist tick off item um but absolutely i think it's moving into some form of de developmental production um, workshop performance just to mm. get bums on seats get audience reactions I think that's something that I really believe in I think especially when you're pouring your heart and soul into a show to just have a chance to sit back and watch it through the eyes of other people um, and then hopefully we're going to start trying to find a home for it for a full production that would be the goal a bit further down the line yeah, I, I agree. I think even, I think a development workshop of Act One even will be helpful at some point. Even probably just low key, that one, you know, like get in a studio 
and or sorry, a studio as in uh, a space and just hear it and feel it with the actors and, and it's great to have some input and just sort of let it breathe a little bit because we learnt so much just from those two songs during that day. So And you've done workshops of shows in the past. Yeah. It's so important to so. see things on its feet because you never know what's going to land, mm-hmm. what makes sense to an audience, what actors will, will bring to the text. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's really crucial, I yeah. think, for that workshop process. Mm, definitely. And it's fun. It's really fun. It's just such a – the number of times we've had workshops for different shows and everyone gets in the room and we all realise whilst we have dreams of, you know, Olivier's and being on big stages, it's those moments, that's why we do it. And that's what that's where the heart and soul of the industry is, is in those workshops, I think. That's where you really feel that's what you're meant to be doing with those people. Absolutely. And I think people – you'll always be surprised who will say yes – to workshopping material and generally I my advice is always don't be shy if there's an actor that you really admire or a performer that you think would be really great for a role just like mm. just find them on Instagram and just tell them what you're doing and um I think invariably everyone's quite hungry to work on new material it's a real gift for an actor or a performer to have that mm. opportunity as well so I think there is something in that as well it's getting uh, everyone together on something new is is an amazing thing so I think even if you don't know many performers that there will be there will be someone who will see us well I for one can't wait to see what the future holds for Woodhouse and to finally be able to share this beautiful music with all of my friends and tell them to go and see the show when it happens making a musical is produced and hosted by Alex Jackson and Kiki Stevenson for the other palace If you've enjoyed this episode, follow and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps us share new British musical theatre with audiences all around the world. You can submit your new musical to be featured on the podcast at theotherpalace.co.uk. That's it from us. Join us next time for more Making Making a a Musical, musical, the the future future of British musical musical theatre.